Welcome back to the Book Truck Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and I have something on my mind today. I cannot help but notice that TBR lists and book recommendations are a really popular thing. Everybody wants to be involved in what is new, what books can they read next, and hey, I'm all for that. I think this is really, really important because as you and I both know, when you finish a book, your eye automatically goes up and looks for the next thing that you can consume as a reader. I get that and I love it. But my concern is, where are we actually getting our suggestions from? Now, I recognize that me saying this is a little bit ironic because I make suggestions here and I will continue to do so and I'll probably do some more today. But I look at all of the TBR lists and the best of lists and the book recommendation lists and I kind of feel as if a lot of those books are biased, that they are popularity contests. It's like a junior high list of, of who's shiny and who's the most wonderful and beautiful. But are they are they really the best ones? Because it looks like a lot of the lists have been hijacked by corporate publishing companies that just want to make sure that their new titles get sold. Because I really think that if we were to make a list of some of the best books, we would use mostly backlist books. There are a lot of books that are not hot and shiny and popular on the new releases shelves right now that really deserve some attention. Now, is it just me? Come on, it can't be just me, right? I know that you're having some of these thoughts too. That just because it is out there and it is the one that everybody's talking about, what is behind that? I've always said to my kids, whenever somebody recommends something to you, always wonder, Who's benefiting by this? Where does this come from? Do I trust the source? And the same thing is said about books. Now, I'm going to say that totally for me too. If you hear me recommend a book and you think, mm, I don't think I trust her. Her opinion is a little bit whack. Okay, then please don't read the book that I suggest. But if you think that maybe there's something to it or you have read a book that I've suggested before and you think, okay, maybe her taste and mine are very similar, then you can read the next one and you can feel as if I have earned your trust a little bit. It's hard to earn the trust of people when you're giving suggestions because basically it's just an opinion. There is no right or wrong or black or white or any hard fast rules about making book recommendations. It is just one person's opinion about how they perceived it and what they took from it, which will be probably entirely different from what you perceive and take from it. So please take all of these suggestions with a little bit of grain of salt and think critically about what is on the shelves and why they're on the shelves. Sometimes in a bookstore, the best suggestions actually come from the bookseller's favorites, not the new releases section. Now, when I go into a store, I always like to find out what the people who read and who are putting books in hands all the time for new customers, what they are actually really liking, what they're drawn to. Because there's so much more diversity in a bunch of booksellers than there is in the publishing list. Guaranteed. So this would be my suggestion is to really consider when you see all of these books, are they just a popularity contest or are they actually really the books that deserve your time? Not all books are created equal. 
We know this. And if you're like me, you have picked up a book because somebody said, oh, it is the absolute best. I just loved it. I loved it so much. And you think, wow, okay. And then you read it and you go, oh my gosh, what the heck is wrong with them? This is, you know what I mean. So take into consideration that when you make suggestion, you are really telling that person what you thought of it, but you can't tell them what to think of it themselves. So I try to make suggestions about books that have made me feel something because that is really how I grade a book. If I'm going to give a book a five out of five, it's because I had all the feels and the story never left me. It was powerfully written. It was memorable. It made an impact on me. And that might have nothing to do with its social justice standing or its current trend following or anything like that. Maybe I picked it up because it had a really beautiful cover. That is just how classy I am, y'all. So honestly, book suggestions are just opinions. They are not how-tos, they're not hard, fast rules. And you can make suggestions just as valid as any other bookseller or literary critic. Your opinion counts just as much. And to the people who know you and love you, your opinion actually counts more. On my Daisy Chain Book Company Pinterest page, I have a category called TBR Lists. And I try to make collections of TBR lists that are very diverse, historical, nonfiction, YA, you name it. Um, and I do that so that the suggestions are not all coming from me directly. But as I'm looking at them right now, I can't help but notice that so many of the same titles are appearing on these lists. Now, here's the interesting statistic. There are upwards of 600,000 books published every single year. So... Let me ask you then, why are the same 20 to 30 books being shown on so many lists? It's a popularity contest. Does that mean they're the absolute best, the ones worthy of your time? Not necessarily, but you have to read some other ones to know that. So go back, find books that are maybe not on the current list, because here's the other thing about that. If you are getting books that are on the new releases, the bestseller list, the woohoo New York Times list, you know what? Those are going to be harder to find at the library. Those are the ones the stores might be sold out of. So you're not actually going to have easy access to them all the time. If you get a backlist book, a book from last year, the books that were popular last year that people read like crazy that you just didn't have time for. You know what? They are in abundance everywhere this year. So if you're going to read books for your book club, try to resist the peer pressure from publishers of staying current with only what is being read by everyone else right now and try to read something that people have read before. Books that are cheaper to get because frankly, you're not paying $40 for a new release. You are getting an older book at a used bookstore, <laughs> little wink, or something that is a little easier to get from your library. An audiobook that you don't have to wait 19 weeks for. Can I get an amen? It just makes more interesting reading because if you are going to read what everybody else is reading, you're only going to have the same kinds of thoughts and conversations that everybody else is having. The reading life is so broad. There are so many incredible stories, so many perspectives and characters that frankly are just not on the current new releases shelf. A lot of the books that are coming out also, just in case you didn't know this, have been customized for what they think will sell, not necessarily for what is the best literature. This is true. Did y'all know this? Uh-huh. It's true. 
a lot of ebooks are actually written specifically for sales. I did a report in school and learned something very shocking. Every time you're using your e-reader, whatever e-reader you have, every swipe or click or pause or anything that you do on that page, however long you stay on a page, when you stop reading, when you start reading, how long your duration of reading is, all of that statistical information is logged by the e-reader company. So they know, oh, in this book, most people start at about this point. So after this, it's less interesting for them, or this is the part that they don't like anymore. So they actually hire writers to write books that are only what people are actually staying interested in. Now, this is kind of strange because let me be really honest. If I stop reading a book, sometimes it has nothing to do with the book. It's because my battery died or because, frankly, I just couldn't find it. I sometimes lose it. It's true. Um, Sometimes it's because I don't want to read an ebook or I'm not traveling right now or whatever it is. It has nothing to do with the book itself. Books are being customized for attention, for reading, so that when you're finished, you will quickly read the next one. You will pay for it. That's not what reading should be about. I am all about books for people who want to read great books. I know. How crazy is that? So that means I am not just about putting books in people's hands that are going to benefit me financially, but will benefit your reading life as a whole. So in my book track, it's very, very important that there are a lot of backlist books because I'm not all about being shiny and current and trendy and all that stuff. I almost feel as if the stubborn part of me rejects that right out of hand because I just can't do it. I want to be a little contrary. I want to be a little bit different. And if somebody comes in and says, do you have Becoming by Michelle Obama? I say, no, but if you wait six months or a year, I'll have lots of copies because that's when everybody will be done with them. So that's pretty much how I roll. In terms of book recommendations, I kind of feel the same way. I think we can make recommendations for each other that have nothing to do with what will benefit a publisher, but will actually only benefit that reader's reading experience. So that's pretty much where I land on this, y'all. And with that being said, here are a couple of my suggestions. In the theme of being contrary and going against the green, the first book that I want to talk about today is called American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Now, I had heard that American Dirt had a lot of controversy about it, and pretty much that's all I knew, that there were a lot of very heated emotions and people were very passionate about disliking this and boycotting this book, and I, and I didn't understand why. I didn't read any of the reasons why, and I'm glad. So what I decided to do was read the book myself, and as I read the book, I tried to figure out what the controversial issue was. Now, I read this book, and I really thought it was incredibly well written, and I did not discover any reason why it would be controversial. The story is about Lydia, a bookseller from Acapulco, whose husband was a journalist. Her son is an eight, I think he's eight-year-old, eight-year-old boy named Luca. Now, her husband, the journalist, writes about this cartel. And unbeknownst to her, Lydia befriends a gentleman in her bookstore who is actually the head of this cartel. And he writes this article knowing that it could be danger for he and his family. 
So Lydia's family is celebrating a quinceanera of, I think it's her niece. Now, the quinceanera is their 15-year-old girl's kind of a coming out party. It's a celebration. It's a debutante ball, if you will, if you're in Spanish culture. Um, and so they're having this party. Well, the cartel comes in and slays the family. So I think that's known. I don't think that's a spoiler. Um, so the only people left are Lydia and her son, Luca. And they have to flee because her friend from the bookstore is now aware of her and chasing her. So they have to try and get to America where they'll be safe. And so they become migrants. And they have this whole culture of underground people who are trying to figure out how to get to the States to be safe, and to have a different life. And there's relationships with all the people that she meets and trying to keep her son safe and be in constant fear. And it's just this, it's this very... Oh, dynamic, compelling story that you just get pulled right into. And I had such compassion for people who are risking everything to try and secure a new life someplace else. It was just, it was so, it was such a bold tale and I admired her telling it. Now, from my understanding is that she is getting a lot of flack because she is not from Acapulco and she was not a migrant and she's writing about something that she doesn't understand. Maybe I'm simplifying the controversy, but to my knowledge, there's an awful lot of books that have been written and revered and loved that are of that exact same thing. It is a work of fiction. So I read it as a work of fiction by a very creative, imaginative storyteller, and I got to give her props. It was a well-done story. Oprah has made this her book choice, and she has gotten a lot of flack for choosing it as well. So she is now putting out a book review on Apple TV that she will be discussing it. Um, you can go to Oprah's website and you can find out more information about that. But it is, it is a talked about book and I'm glad that I read it. I do not understand the controversy. I just thought it was a very, very well told story. And for my second book that I'm going to mention today, I finally jumped on the Louise Penny bandwagon. Woohoo! And I read Still Life book number one in the Gamash uh, murder mystery series. It was great. It was a Canadian mystery that takes place in Quebec. It was, it was a really, uh, is it okay to say it was a fun mystery? I got up early to read it. I stayed up late to read it. I just really felt pulled into this community. I loved the way the characters were so unique and they blended so well together that it felt very familial um, and I, I really appreciated the fact that she made it a murder mystery, but she didn't make it boring. I know that people love mysteries and I think it's a great genre, but for me, it's so predictable and I have a hard time getting into a story when I already know how it ends. This one, I did not know how it ends and I really liked the pace of the story so that I felt as if I was going along with it, with the townsfolk. It was really, really fun. So I'm looking forward to reading the next one. Um, if you like a good murder mystery, if, if you want like a, a bloody, gory, much detail kind of a mystery book with all the bleh, this is not it. This is much more of a, 
an inspector and his people and the town reacting and trying to share information and yet cover things up and there's trust issues of course it's just you know it was great and I think she has what maybe 15 books in this series and as thrilled as I am that a Canadian author is getting so much praise for a series of mystery books I got to admit, I'm kind of curious how many murders can possibly happen in this small village called Three Pines in Quebec? I don't know. So I'm curious. I'm going to read more of these books and then I will let you know what I think. Uh, another book that I would recommend is Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. This book is um, a YA book that honestly is kind of a mixture of murder mystery meets Harry Potter. Um, it's got magic in it because there's a school where there was a teacher who had a very, very gruesome death and somebody who was non-magical is brought in to investigate this. This book was really, really compelling. I didn't know what to expect from it. It came recommended by somebody that I had heard on another podcast and I thought, okay, well, I'm willing to branch out a little bit and, you know, scratch my Harry Potter Hogwarts itch, if you will. Now, this school that they're going to is not Hogwarts. There are no wands. There are no <laughs> Hogwarts-ish spells, if you will. This is, it's, it's a very modern, magical school. And it was really fun to actually read about it, to read the perspectives of the students who are studying magic and how they were incorporating that into a modern world. I really enjoyed it. I liked the I liked the characters quite a bit, although I felt that some of them were put in just because you were supposed to have that kind of character in a book, but it really didn't add much to it. Um, I do think, too, that this, this book was really smart in how it was put together. So I enjoyed it. Magic for Liars. Very entertaining. Made me want to keep turning the pages. Very, very good book. Um, Another really memorable book that I picked up, thanks to a suggestion from a friend of mine, is called I'll Be Your Blue Sky by Marisa De Los Santos. This book was just a delight to read. You know how sometimes you get a book and you just think, oh, well, that, that was satisfying. That's how I felt about this book. So this is a story told between the perspective of two different women, Claire from the modern time and Edith from the 1950s, I believe. And Edith meets Claire when Claire is on just the eve of her wedding. They don't know each other previously and they, they have this very pivotal, small, powerful conversation where older Edith challenges young Claire to really reconsider this marriage to this gentleman because he's kind of a dastardly dude. Claire finally decides, yeah, darn it, I don't want to marry him, so she breaks it off. Well, fast forward a little while later in the future... And Edith has left Claire a house in her will. This house is called Blue Sky House. And as Claire is trying to put the pieces of her life back together, she goes out there to have a look at it. And she discovers this story of the house and the love story of Edith and her husband, Joseph. And all these things unravel. So you're, you're seeing Claire's modern day story as she's discovering all of these wonderful things about herself and Edith's history. And then you're also hearing from Edith's story in the past, which really sets the stage for what Claire is going through in the right moment. It was just really nice. I also really thought I would like to visit Blue Sky House. The setting sounded beautiful and that always appeals to me too. So 
This book had a beautiful cover, it had a wonderful setting, and it had characters I really enjoyed. The love story was also quite heartwarming and that always makes me feel good. So I'll Be Your Blue Sky by Marisa De Los Santos. That was definitely worth my reading time. Now, the next book that I will recommend really had me on the edge of my seat for almost the entire time. It's called The Passengers by John Mars. So what is written on the cover of the book is eight self-drive cars set on a collision course. Who lives, who dies? You decide. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really intriguing look at the fascination we have with technology and how technology is changing our world. And as we start to realize that self-driving vehicles are not just some sort of science fiction woo-woo idea, but it's actually something that's on the horizon and could be possible. This is in the future where self-driven cars are the law and that's what happens. So people have to have them. And a hijacker has taken eight of these cars and he has hijacked them and held them hostage, if you will. So they are now driving under his command and you're able to video communicate with the people inside the cars. So the reader can hear some of the stories of the people who get in the cars, everything from a pregnant woman to a suicidal man to a, an aging actress who's full of drama, you, you name it. All the eight characters you're familiar with. And what this hijacker decides to do is say, okay, we are going to take advantage of your fascination with social media and justice, and we're going to let you decide which of these vehicles lives and which doesn't. Who's going to get blown up? And if you don't decide in you know X period of time, they're all going to clash, crash into each other and die. Oh my gosh. It was such an adrenaline ride for me. So many things I'd never thought about before. It raises all kinds of ethical issues. It was it was a very, very interesting premise for a story. And I think as we start to consider that artificial intelligence and technology and whatnot is going to become much more integrated into our daily life and decisions that we make, this kind of stuff might be possible. So yeah, it was. I highly recommend it. If you are curious about this kind of thing and you want to know what if and what's possible and to what extent do we actually use social media for good or not, how empowered do we feel with our level of justice and click control when we swipe or approve or follow things, it you know what? Wow. It, the Passengers by John Mars. I would love to hear your thoughts about this one. Okay, and another book that I want to mention today is called My Oxford Year by Julia Whalen. This was a little bit more of a fluff read after The Passengers. <laughs> I think my brain just needed a little bit of a break. Um, so this is what happens when an American goes to Oxford to do a special internship. And she, of course meet somebody and it becomes kind of a romance thing and it instead of just being a predictable fluffy mindless book it has a little bit of an emotional twist to it somewhat unexpected i really like that it had that twist actually because it needed some meat to this book it was a little bit too airy fairy a little bit too fluffy and it wasn't really the mood for that much fluff so when it got a little bit more grounded with this emotional twist i was totally fine with that totally totally fine um 
it was good and it, I think it ended the way it was supposed to, which I can't always say happens in a fluff book. Um, but this was good. For somebody who likes uh, like a Nicholas Sparks story, this one might be a little bit too um, princessy, castle-y, but then it gets more into the Nicholas Sparks genre where it feels more familiar. Um, it was good. I, I liked it. I probably wouldn't read it again. But for somebody who's looking for a light, easy story that is um, appropriately emotional and takes you somewhere else, it really paints a romantic image of Oxford and uh, England and just the, the culture and the landscape. It was really quite good that way. Um, so yeah, if you're into that kind of mood, you just want to have a break, search for My Oxford Year by Julia Whalen. Now, this book raised also a lot of questions for me. It's called Harmony by Carolyn Parkhurst. And I have to admit, when I saw it in the store, it was the cover that intrigued me. This is a story told from two different perspectives. Alexandra, who is a mom, and Iris, who is her youngest daughter. Um, Alexandra and her husband are struggling because Tilly, their oldest daughter, is having an awful lot of behavioral issues, things that they just cannot seem to get their handle on. She's causing trouble in school. It's it's taking over their family, their household. It's very, very dominant. And so what they decide to do is based on a child psychology expert, or he calls himself an expert, he runs something called Camp Harmony, which is sort of an all-inclusive family camp where families can come. And if they have a child that has some difficulties through this camp experience, they can help work through it and come together as a family. And it sounds very peaceful and nice. Um, and yet what you discover is that sometimes in an experience like this, it's not always what it seems to be. So I'm not going to spoil it, what this, what's going on here, but I will just say that based on the narratives of Alexandra and Iris, it gives you a very unique perspective on the people in this camp, the family dynamics, and the fears and the concerns of this family. So for every parent out there who's struggling with you know, my kid is freaking out in school. He or she is having tantrums in the grocery store. I can't seem to get two minutes to myself because I'm always managing. And I, you know what? My hat's off to you. I, I just props to you and your sleepless nights. You know what? I think a lot of parents might be triggered by some of this in the book. But you know what? It was an interesting story. I'm very glad I read it. I don't exactly know how to think about it after except it was very haunting to me and it made me think back to many parts in the middle and the beginning of the story after I finished it to reconsider what I thought I knew. So yeah if you're looking for a book that makes your eyebrows go up a little bit maybe this one's for you. It's called Harmony by Carolyn Parkhurst. So there you have it. I have done a podcast episode all about the contrary nature and the biased positions behind book suggestions. And then how did I end it? By making book suggestions. Wah, wah. Yep, that's totally how I roll. So I hope that you will consider making suggestions for your friends that you think are worth their time. And hey, if you want to make some suggestions for me that you think I would like to read, I would love to hear them. Hearing suggestions from people about what they want you to read also tells you so much about who they are. So I'm curious about what 
inspired you, what you would love to share with somebody else. So please tell me, email me, message me, DM me, leave comments about this podcast. Give me your suggestions. I cannot wait to hear them. Come and take a seat. Come and take a seat with me. At the business bar. And now it's time to roll on up to the business bar where I sit down, grab a drink, and talk about all things book truck business. And today I am drinking coffee with a vanilla cinnamon creamer. I don't love it. I'm still doing the sugar-free thing, so no sugar in my diet, which has been going really well. But I am not one of those people who likes coffee just for coffee's sake. I've discovered I really, really, really need some sweet in it because I like sweet with a little bit of a coffee aftertaste. And this is a recipe I found online. It's coconut cream and cinnamon and vanilla. And then you whip it all up in the blender and you add your coffee. Now, it is not the same. I really want me some of that really sweet, nasty creamer. But say la vie. I hope you are drinking something awesome, full of all the yummy taste that you love. And if you're going to order coffee, order a sweet coffee and drink it thinking of me, okay? Okay, so today in the business bar, I'm going to talk about something that is a little bit controversial, probably a little bit surprising, but nonetheless true. I get invited to bring Daisy the book truck to an awful lot of markets. Some are farmer's markets, some are public markets, some are artisan markets, whatever you call it. Each market has its own culture, its own community, and its own vibe, which is awesome. If you need something that is handmade, that's local, that is organic, that is just kind of funky, go to a market, that is your place. And markets have grown in popularity quite a bit over the last little while. You almost can't swing a cat and not hit a market when the grass is growing. So this is a thing in Alberta that is very, very popular. Every community league seems to have their own crafty market or fair or whatever it's called. Now, here's the thing. A bookshop on wheels that goes to a market really cannot do an indoor market, right? Because yeah, bringing Daisy inside, it's not going to work. So it has to be an outdoor market. So I get invited to a lot of markets and I've requested to go to a lot of markets. And here is something that I have learned. There is a difference between an Alberta approved market and a public market being that. An Alberta approved market has standards that say they have a preference that must be granted to Alberta producers who make, bake, or grow their products. So if you are somebody who doesn't make, bake, or grow your item, then you fall into the 20% category. So people who make, bake, and grow it are 80% of the vendors at any Alberta market. If you don't make it, bake it, grow it, you are part of that 20. So that 20% can be anything from Tupperware to Epicure to essential oils or whatever. Um, And I fall into that 20%. Now, Alberta approved farmers markets also have a stipulation that says they do not permit the sale of any used items. Now, I ask you, would this be a challenge for a book truck that sells new and used books? 
Heck yeah. However, when I started, I did not know there was a stipulation that specified I couldn't sell used books there. And not every market organizer is also aware of this stipulation. So many markets have happily said, yes, you can come. And I pay my vendor fee and I sign my contracts and I do all the due diligence that I need to do to be there. And maybe this is surprising to you. It sure as heck was for me. But last season, I got personally kicked out of two markets that I was approved to be in. Now, the organizer of that market was not the one who kicked me out. They really wanted me there. But the Alberta approved market assessor who comes around to the markets and does quality control and checks to make sure they're doing everything uh, according to what the Alberta market approved standards are. They saw me there and they said, "Uh, you cannot be here. And I had to leave. So this was disappointing for that market. They were really bummed out that I couldn't stay. One market that I was at actually went on probation with the Alberta Market Association because they said, well, we're not getting rid of her. Yeah, thank you for that. That was really nice of you. Um, But that really seems odd to me. So if I only sold new books, I would be allowed to be there no problem. But because I recycle and because I do something good for the world and I share books from one reader to another, I get penalized for it. Now, there are still some Alberta approved markets who do permit me to be there. They have discussed it at meetings, they have talked about it, they have weighed the pros and cons, and they have decided that I am good for their market. To those markets, I say thank you because the community is so grateful that I'm there. And I think it's very peculiar in this day and age that an event says we do not permit the sale of used items, assuming that everybody who does so will be like a flea market or a swap meet where I just throw books on tables and and sit there and let you go through it like a garage sale. If you've seen my truck, you know it's anything but that kind of experience. So I have had an issue with the Alberta (laughs) Farmers Market Association. However, I have never had an issue with any of the event organizers at those markets that I've dealt with. They have all been extraordinary. So maybe that is something that people aren't aware of. If they say, well, why can't you come to my town? Um, Let me tell you, it's because they don't want me there. I have called and they said, no, I'm sorry. We don't allow you to sell your, your stuff. I think they assume that it's going to be a bunch of old used shoes and, you know, old things that are garbage and it's going to look nasty and they want it to have a clean look for their market. And I can appreciate that. I want that as well, which is why I make such an effort to make sure that Daisy looks good, is clean, doesn't add any garbage to their market event. Uh, I take care of the space. I'm a very, very considerate vendor to other vendors there. It's just a really nice, happy place when Daisy's there. You know what I'm saying? So if you have been sending me an email or if you've requested me to come to your town, to your city, and I've had to say no, this is usually the reason why. Because for a lot of smaller towns, the only event that's happening that Daisy could come to is a market. And that market will not allow me to be there. Which is a real bummer for so many of these towns. Because I've heard them say to me on the phone, Oh man, I really wish we could have you here. Our people would love it, but I'm not allowed. And they're bummed out. So what I've asked them to do is to say, hey, then bring it to your market association meeting next time you talk to them. Let them know that this is not like a swap meet. I'm not doing a garage sale book table. I'm doing something 
cool and classy and unique that will really be there to serve your people. And I know that some of them have gone to these meetings and my name has come up. And I say, yay, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Because for all of the mobile businesses after me, let's say somebody wants to do a mobile boutique with used clothing. Is used clothing the best word? Um, recycled clothing, that's better. Um, And they have it very nicely presented and it's not gross and it's not trashy and they have a beautiful mobile unit just like mine and they go there. They would not be allowed either. And I think that they should be because it's sharing and recycling and being good for the world. So on behalf of all the mobile retailers in my province who may possibly want to sell any used items or previously experienced items, I just say, you know what, contact Alberta Farmers Market Association and appeal for a letter of exemption. This has not worked out so well for me. It might work out well for you. (laughs) So for anybody who is thinking about it, who wonders, well, what is the hang up? Why can you not go there? What's the big deal? There is a lot of politics you have to deal with when you're trying to get permission to go somewhere and when you're a unique business where the policies are not written. Sometimes you have to jump through hoops. Sometimes you have to play with that boundary a little bit. Sometimes you have to ask for forgiveness, not permission. And sometimes you just do it and hope that nobody notices. (laughs) Whatever it takes to get me to the people who want Daisy to be there, I will do it. So whatever it is that you are pursuing in your business, Find out what the limitations are that will prevent you from reaching the people that really want your services or your product. Some battles are worth fighting and some you just have to put aside and say, okay, that's not my hill to die on. Now, I am not done with the Alberta Farmers Market Association just yet because I think there is still some communication that needs to happen and I will keep you posted on that. But my advice to any business owner, person, somebody who's in the idea stages or whatever it is, if you're planning it, you're trying to negotiate boundaries with somebody you could collaborate with, find out what the limitations are and find out how far they're willing to bend those because you very well may find people who are so on board with your business and your idea and how you serve people well that they are willing to go to bat for you. Find these people and work with them. This is this is so, so key. And I can't stress it enough. The kind of vendor and the kind of business owner that you are will help you get over some of these barriers that are in your way. If you're passive, you go, oh, whatever, it's not for me, and you just walk away, you're not gonna get anywhere. If you are a bully who's just gonna plow through and doesn't care about anything, you're also not gonna get anywhere. So play the line, be smart, be kind, be considerate, be generous, and be relevant to those people because that is what will make all the difference. Now, I have had the pleasure of talking to a number of people, mostly in the States, hello, USA, um, who are considering running a mobile bookshop now after they've heard me on Don't Keep Your Day Job podcast and read about me in Kathy Heller's Don't Keep Your Day Job book, which was quite a thrill. Um, but they have heard about it and they thought, this is what I want to do. Now, a number of them in different states have had such struggles trying to have permission to do the thing that they want to do. Every state has different rules, just like here with the provinces are a little bit different. But if this is something you really want to pursue, you will find a way through it. Now, the difference between a business and a hobby is if it's a hobby, you're not really going to invest that much in pushing the line or re-educating people who make policy. You're just going to say, oh, well, whatever, and move on because it's not really that crucial for you. 
But if it's your business, you will do darn well whatever it takes to get to the people who are waiting for you. That is why you are here. So, Alberta Farmers Markets Association, I'm coming for you. I want to thank everybody who has sent in questions, comments, feedback about the business bar part of the podcast. I'm thrilled that you are enjoying it, that it's helping you and that it is making a difference in some of the decisions that you're making. And if you would like to be a guest on the Book Truck Chronicles, I would love to talk to you about what business you are in and the decisions you're making and how you came to do something that you love to serve people that you care about. I believe that we should aim to be relevant be generous, and be unforgettable. Until next time, happy reading! Today's chapter of the Book Truck Chronicles has been brought to you by a quote by Steve Martin. Be so good, they can't ignore you.